Welcome back to True North Talk, episode 14 of season two. Hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah. We're getting kind of deep in the numbers here already. Um, and we have some exciting things in store for you guys. We've got a couple of guests in the works uh, for January of 23, and all, or excuse me, 24, wow. <laughs> Going to the past. And, yeah. <laughs> Joe's got the time machine um, on lock. <laughs> exactly. And now everybody knows. So we're, we're also going to take a little sabbatical next week for Christmas. Um, so hopefully everybody can take some time and enjoy the holiday with your family and relatives. Um, as Peter is prepping for his marriage uh, soon to be coming here in March, there's a lot of moving pieces with that too. So yep. a lot of things going on this time of year. Um, but we wanted to come together and, and do a, have a conversation about something we, we watch both of us and, you know, I, I kind of like this where we have conversations on relevant kind of topics and things that are happening happening in real time and recent, just so I think people are interested in that. And I think, you know, it's always good to give a Christian perspective on something because when something goes viral and, and it's getting a lot of eyes, depending on how the, the host or the creator of that content tilts things, it can sometimes be discouraging or just you don't know what to think about something. So just providing some clarification on that. And it's not like we're experts or anything to give commentary, but I mean, it's just good to give a, a faith-based perspective on these types of things. And also I do want to say that uh, the host of the channel that we're going to be talking about, George Janko, I think he did a great job um, of, of kind of breaking this conversation down and giving a, a solid perspective from a faith-based perspective. But uh, with that, I'm going to give it to you, Peter, to kind of tell the viewers what we're going to be talking about, what we're going to be commenting on and also, I guess, the topic of the episode. Yeah. Um, I think he did a phenomenal job. I mean, throughout the conversation, I was just kind of sitting there. I think I probably had it on. Maybe while I was getting some work done. Earlier this week, I was kind of sick, so I got to just kind of It's a great down. conversation to have on in the background. It is. Know, it really is. And, and, when, and at times, it had had really my full attention, you know, again, yeah. being, being kind of sick, not being able to do too much, you know, kind of just kind of on the couch for, for a day, really, um, was just able to kind of put it on the TV and just kind of let it play. And, and for background about who George Janko is, he was he was kind of a, I guess you might call him a member of Logan Paul's crew. He was part of part of the Impulsive podcast. and Pretty think, much a co-host. Pretty much pretty a co-host, much. you know, um, especially later, later when he was there, definitely a co-host. And there were, there were some times, if you followed that, where Logan kind of went after him a little bit for his faith. And I think that's part of what kind of pushed him out from there, I'm sure. Probably, you know, probably some internal things that we're not, you know, privy to, but um, so he, he goes and he has his own show. And I think these is actually a two part series with Andrew Tate, who is obviously a lightning rod when it comes to what, what some people would deem controversial takes. And, um, so we had him on the podcast and I think it was like episodes 47 and 48 of season one of the George Jango show. And it was like the tail end of that. So he's been doing it probably, I'd imagine with that many episodes for, maybe about a year now. I don't know if they're, I think they're weekly. I'm not exactly sure. I hadn't really seen too many before that point, but he has him I think on. I think it's been a little bit, a little bit less than a year. Okay. I think it's been about six months. I, I'm going to look okay. on, on that right now though. If sure. you keep going. Yeah. Either, so he was, you know, pouring him out pretty quickly, but he gets, he gets a big, big guest on. And actually I haven't seen this video yet, but I've been seeing it pop up in my recommends, recommends after seeing this too. I think uh, Piers Morgan also had Andrew Tate on his show recently as well. So something to maybe keep an eye on, but, um, or to, 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 to take a look at cause it's already out. So, 
the, just real the, quick it is yeah you were right closer to 10 a uh, year it's been 10 okay. months yeah that's that's what i figured with that many episodes and the, the tate part yeah. one and part two were spaced out by about a week so um but yeah regardless i'm doing it for again about about a year but the the episode really caught my attention throughout because there's one topic that we're going to focus in on, and I'll get to that in a second, but there's a lot of different really good themes about just being prepared for for where the world is going, being you know just aware of what's happening in the world, um, being aware of kind of, I know one of the things they talked about is, is the matrix, and I know a lot of people hear that word and think it's, you know, hooey or you know bogus or whatever but i think i think there are powerful people and whether you want to call it the matrix or whether you want to call it illuminati or whatever the case is there are definitely people who are kind of pulling the strings but i think ultimately they phrase this well and what the way i want to phrase it too is sure there might be people who are pulling the strings on world in the world but ultimately there is one god the, the you know in the lord jesus christ who are who are pulling the ultimate string of this world. And so we don't have to fear where, where things are going. We simply have to prepare and be ready for whatever might come. Um, but they, they talked about a wide range of different things. I think, especially for, you know, really for anybody, but I think for young men, it's a great episode to, to listen to. There are so many little, like both little and big kind of nuggets that I took with me from the episode. But what we're going to talk about in this one is the importance of being a godly man, Something that they talked about and that I've seen a lot in podcasts is the idea of a fallen Western society, whether it's already fallen or on the way, it's certainly well along the way of being of being fallen from, from where it once was and how our responsibilities as men have been, and falling short of those responsibilities, have been a major cause of that. Obviously, one of the main things that a lot of people will mention is fatherhood, fathers who are either not in the picture at all or who do a poor job in leading their, 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 you know, their wives and their families um, or just, you know, those sort of those sort of challenges and issues. And and so in this episode, I think it, it's really good to focus in on that one thing from the episode. It's one of the things that stood out to me. Um, and so one of the things that we're going to be talking about in this episode is our biggest responsibilities as men of God. Obviously, we'll be using scripture throughout this episode to reference and answer some questions that we have, talking about what it truly means to be a godly father and the importance of that, and then also the importance of monogamy, having, you know, as a man, one wife, or as a woman, one husband for for as long as you both shall live. And there there were things that that, that Andrew Tate brought up that we will discuss and dive into but that's again kind of the background and I'm, I'm definitely you know ever since I ever since I saw that podcast on YouTube I was like this is definitely something that we need to talk about and I would encourage I would encourage all, all of you listeners to um, to go and watch that video watch both parts it's it's almost like three hours so it is it's a long watch both part one and part two but I think it is well worth taking the time again if you're able maybe to put it in the background at work or maybe you know when you get home from from work and you know are making dinner or whatever the case might be or whenever you have time and you're able to pop maybe you pop in an earbud I'm not sure if it's streaming on you know Spotify or something like that but I would encourage everybody to take a listen or, or watch the episode and, and really, really just open, open your ears to, to what they're talking about. You know, I'm not here saying that everything that they said was exactly right, but I think like you said, Joe, George, uh, George Janko did a phenomenal job of, of first of all, one thing that Andrew Tate said that was kind of in, in George's intro was, you know, you've given me a lot of things to think about. So I think it's really cool to see just the impact that George has had for Christ 
And I think there's there's definitely a lot to to take from this episode, and I'm excited to get into what we're talking about today. Yeah, you did a great job of kind of summarizing that conversation and the content in it. And you know, a lot of people in these in in this time immediately want to turn away when they hear Andrew Tate because of of the media just constant barrage of negative media that he's received. Mm-hmm. And I think this conversation with George Janko really opens your eyes to like the reality of what he talks about. And when you say the Matrix, you know, yeah, that's kind of a laughing term. Like, oh, the Matrix, yeah, sure, it's real. Like, people think about the movie, they think it's a joke. The Matrix really represents a collection of powerful individuals who want to push an agenda that's really not based on anything that's good. You know, it's it's the LGBTQIA+, you know, transgender, there's thousands of genders. Uh, masculinity is bad inherently. White people are evil. Um all these things that that are being pushed right now by a collection of people that are very powerful that is that is what he means by the matrix um for example the people the collection of media companies that are were actively censoring thousands uh, tens of thousands of americans on twitter prior to elon musk's acquisition that is the matrix and andrew tate himself was kind of uh, i guess you could say targeted by this group of people uh falsely imprisoned upon based on sexual assault allegations that had no basis and sat in solitary confinement, I think for 92 days. And I might be off on that number, but was punished for something he didn't do. And really all he, the majority of his message is he's preaches to young men to become responsible, I guess, traditional men. I mean, to be strong physically, mentally, spiritually, uh, to be strong, you know, to lead, to be, to be masculine men is what he teaches. And unfortunately that just doesn't coincide with the current narrative right now that is being pushed by the majority or the people behind those companies. Um, you know, a good example, and I'm just going to break this down very quickly so people understand too. A good example of what he talks about as far as the matrix goes is a company like Nestle or whoever that recently pulled their ad. I saw Disney pulled their advertising off of Twitter because they're supporting free speech. You know, if a company is, is, taking away billions of dollars of advertising from Twitter because they support free speech. That is what he means by the matrix. That is a very powerful company using their money to try to threaten and and coerce a platform to take away the freedom of speech, to censor people. That's anti-American. It's really Christianity. When you look at God, God given human rights, right? The unalienable rights of freedom of life, liberty, and property. Um, so that is the matrix breakdown right there. I just want to say that because people run away. Oh, the matrix, they run away. But, you know, and Andrew Tate can be a little bit brashy, you know, and he has a, a sense of humor that's kind of like sharp sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you know, he joked about uh, what his, one of his girlfriends, if they came in and said, oh, look at the news, it's freaking out. He's like, go Shut away. Up. And he yeah. shoot him away. <laughs> but it, it was a joke. Yeah. He meant it as a joke. But the, the But the thing is, a lot of people in media these days will see that and they say, oh, he's being sexist and he means it. Like, there's no sense of humor. You know, there's right. there's no there's no leeway for a joke once in a while. So yeah. that's the thing with Andrew Tate. But well, yes, something that you, you talked know. about on that point, too, was there was some truth to it. But the way like he was dismissive and like waving the hand was obviously a joke is what he said, because I think his point there. This is a topic that we'll probably get into in, in a future episode is the idea of, you know, not having fear of what's going on in the events that are happening in the world, because ultimately what, what the media does is they're going to pick the things that are meant to sensationalize and meant to kind of grab our attention as somebody who, who works in news. You know, it is 
it is, you know, the first thing is to tell the truth. That is the thing that I prioritize as a journalist above anything else. And then, of course, second to that is to get eyeballs on the stuff that you are presenting. And so for me, you know, it's making a headline look really readable, making it something that I know that people are going to be interested in, picking a good photo to go with a story. Obviously, for me, it's in sports. So thankfully, a lot of times those are good, positive, uplifting stories. But what the media does, and again, we probably won't get into this point too much, but just to, to kind of have have a perspective on it, they're, you know, going to pick out the things that are best going to, you know, draw attention. And oftentimes because of... I don't know, maybe it's because of our fallen nature as human beings. The things that draw us the most are kind of the dramatic and when things go wrong. And so just, you know, on, on, on that point, just to kind of add, add a little bit of um, perspective on that. Yeah, and, and the more I think about it, you know, as we shape kind of the, this episode and what we want to talk about, I think I made a YouTube video a long time ago called Walk, Taking the Narrow Path. Mm-hmm. And really good video. I remember we we had a, thanks, we had a, a True North Talk episode <laughs> in season one that was called the responsibilities of a godly man. Mm-hmm. And I think this episode would probably be best shaped or labeled as taking the narrow path as a man yeah, and what it takes to do that, because we're going to get into. Wh- and, and also, I think also why that's so important too. Yeah. Yeah. Why it's important. And we're going to get it. We're going to focus on one thing that they talked about a lot and it's the idea of chastity and being faithful and being monogamous as a man. Um, and you know, there's, it's a great example to talk about with them too, because George is coming at it from a a perspective of monogamy and he actually, I don't want to like flip our upside, our episode upside down here from the, the outline, but just cause I'm thinking about it, maybe it's best to to do it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, George was talking about his prior, prior to being saved. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess he was, he said he was saved, but he was living a life of sin, you know, before he was his, his thing in a relationship, his thing was, you know, ba- basically, and this, I don't think this is the best way to think again, George does a great job, but he certainly is not perfect himself. His thinking, if I'm remembering correctly, was something along the lines of like, God, when you bring me the woman that you designed for me, I'm going to clean up my act. And I, that, that certainly is not always the best. And I don't want to speak for him, but that's kind of what I got. And he said something along those lines during the episode. I want to emphasize, first of all, that, you know, it starts with when, when we're saved, that moment that we accept Jesus into our hearts and make that change, that transformation begins. It's, it's not about putting it off until the right woman comes along. You know, I think, I think that's the one thing where, where maybe it was a little bit, little bit, you know, walk it, walk in the line a little bit, maybe crossing the line a little bit, but um, yeah, I do think then what he said though about about the commitment to to one woman is is definitely obviously biblical. Yeah, and he he kind of tried to shift the blame from himself to other women because I think he said something along the lines of, you know, I desire that godly monogamy, but until I find a woman who actually wants that, I'm not really mm-hmm. gonna. Why would I limit myself? And I think Andrew Tate, funny enough, is the one who challenged him on that. Um, a little bit, but then he, but then George said he had a kind of a, an awakening Mm -hmm. or, you know, something that made him realize like, well, I need to prepare myself now. I think, did he say he had a dream or something? Was that what it was? Yeah. I don't know if it was a dream, but yeah, now that you mentioned that it wasn't, it wasn't the whole time he did make that switch before, before his, 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 uh, I think just girlfriend right now. I'm not sure. I don't think they're engaged or anything yet, but yeah, that, that, that is true. He did. He did mention that. That he said, and this is kind of. I think we talked about this. I'm trying to remember now if we talked about this before the episode or or early in the in the episode so far was this idea of 
like he had this you know realization of how he you know being aware just of how just being aware of how he treats women and being aware that like kind of this picture of of a king giving away his daughter in marriage, he's not going to give, you know, he's not going to give his daughter away to, to a man who treats, who treats other women like trash. And so that was when George kind of realized this, like almost this idea, a lot of men kind of see women that they're not in a committed, serious relationship with as almost discardable and is like not, yeah. not being important and being able to just kind of use and move on from. And I think that stems from the hookup, hook, hookup culture that is so prevalent and so pervasive in our society. And I think there are a lot of different things that we could point to where that stems from. I think we'll probably, you know, kind of get into where some of those issues stem from and and how to address those. But I think that was certainly, you know, a a good point that that George made. And and yeah, again, you know, that he did make that change before, before his his girlfriend came along. Yeah. So he had that epiphany and kind of changed course and then met his, me and commitment um and then further along the conversation went along to andrew tate because he's kind of infinite infamous for saying that you know basically don't limit yourself right don't there's no point of committing to one woman because his religion he claims to be a muslim which i think this conversation opened his eyes and something and i think he even said something you know you made me you're gonna make me rethink this or you're gonna make mm-hmm. me think about some of these things but his lifestyle conveniently matches the religion that he practices in Islam, which basically, which pre and I, I used to work with a lot of Muslim men and young men, and they would, you know, ch- we would have these conversations where they didn't feel like it was necessary to be committed to one woman. So their culture, their religion teaches polygamy um, and the ability to, to have several wives. And I think George challenged him in this area of, you know, feeding i think he said the the allegory of like the be, the which wolf are you going to feed the wolf in the dark or the mm-hmm. wolf in the light yep he, and he asked andrew tate which one is going to keep growing and he said i don't know and he said the <laughs> one that you feed and it's yep. like you know that desire and i'm going to read a scripture right here um put to death the colossians 3 5 put to death therefore what what is earthly in you sexual immorality impurity passion evil desire covetousness which is idolatry so it's the bible is acknowledging that the earthly, the, the, the desire of sexual immorality and impurity and passion, that's earthly and it's in us inherently. So it's, mm-hmm. it's acknowledging those feelings. It's not even saying that you shouldn't have them or like you should never have the sinful desire to do this because it's earthly. It's our flesh. Yep. But it says to, to put them to death. And Andrew Tate was kind of arguing from a perspective of, well, men naturally have these desires, so why should we limit ourselves? And George was basically like, well, those are your fleshly desires. Hmm. But are you just going to give into your flesh? Like Andrew Tate's whole character is about not giving into your flesh. It's about discipline. It's about restraint. It's about working out. It's about growing as a man, doing the hard things. Mm-hmm. But your one area of your life you're not consistent of that in is doing the hard thing of committing to a woman. So it kind of made him rethink his position a little bit. And and I honestly, I do give Andrew Tate credit because to kind of have your one of your main lifestyles on a podcast that's going to get millions of views challenged and to have the humility, because it does take some humility to acknowledge that you're going to make me rethink my position. Yep. You know, I do give him credit in that area. Yeah. But, you know, I just think he didn't fully think through that position, or maybe he knew it. But a lot of people know they're wrong, but they just, you know, they choose something that's convenient. Like, hmm. I don't think that he really has read. Well, he said he's he's read the Quran from front to back. 
Right. But as far as like as deep into it, um, when he says he's a Muslim. So, you know, I think for, for us, you know, that's the, the mindset that we have to have and something I'm learning and, uh, something you're learning too, um, being in a committed relationship is like being disciplined in that area. Um, and it's very, very important because, you know, those, what some people view and Andrew Tate had, I guess has said this a little bit, but some people can view that commitment and monogamy as like limiting yourself, Mm -hmm. but that's really a negative way. That's a horrible way to see it. You know, yeah. Though that commitment is what provides you a lot of freedom. You know, hmm. it provides you emotional freedom. It's an it irony, isn't you, it? Yeah. 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 And that's, it's actually a Jocko Willink saying discipline hmm. equals freedom. Yep. You know, those guardrails is what's going to provide you the freedom that you, that you really truly need your soul needs, Yep. which is emotional security, um, spiritual security, stability, and honestly, above all else, just honoring your spouse. But, um, I think that's a lesson that many men need to learn. And I think it's an important part too of we're talking about taking the narrow path as a godly man. I, that's, I don't know if there's like a hierarchy of importance of characteristics to have, but that's definitely up there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you have anything else to add on that conversation, but no, I, I would, I would agree entirely. I think another way to put it is that we have a responsibility first, first to God to to follow him and to give ourselves over to him and then i would say second to that is to our to to you know to the one wife that that each of us as men are are given in this life and it truly is you know a wife and then eventually children are really the two greatest gifts aside from salvation that we can receive in this life and so when we have that we need to treasure that you know it says in the word that that a woman is is treasure you know, I'm trying to think of it's like Proverbs, Proverbs, I think 31 um, is one of the one of the t- places that references that. But I think it it underlines the responsibility that we have to our wives and ultimately also that we have to our our children as well. And that is one of the most important responsibilities that we would that we have in life. I would say it's it is probably second only to our responsibility to following Christ and I think ultimately those are kind of in line because by following Christ, you know, as the man, we follow Christ and then our family follows us. And something that George said as well that I think is so true is like, you know, our wives will follow us. And it's a matter of whether we're leading them down the right path or whether we lead them down the wrong path. And something that that he said, a picture of it is that if if your wife, you know, it's a dramatic picture, but it's true. If your wife sees you doing, doing drugs, then she's going to follow down that path and do drugs with you as well. And so I, I, I think that's, that's true. I think a, a godly woman would be a woman who, if she sees her husband going along that path, she would be there to, you know, convict him. But ultimately that is, that's our responsibility as men to be, to feel that conviction when we're going down a path and whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's pornography, whether it's swearing, whether it's, you know, just foul language, whether it's treating people with disrespect or rudely or disobedience to people that God puts in positions over us, whatever any of those traits are, are, it's our responsibility to, to face those. And I think, what really grabbed my attention from this whole thing is this idea that gets talked about a lot is the idea of the fall of Western society kind of being 
I mean, not kind of, I would say one of the biggest reasons for it and kind of the diminishing of godly men is because one, we, we, men don't accept that responsibility or they don't know how to. And two is like absence in, in fatherhood or, you know, whether it's direct absence, whether it's, you know, child is born and the father leaves and a single mother has to raise that child up or whether it's just kind of being, being there, but not really being there. If you, you know, if you, if you catch my drift there, and I think that yeah. is that that to me was probably the most important thing from from both of the part one and part two was. And that's why I want to talk about this, talk about it on this episode is our responsibilities as men of God and our role in in ensuring that society doesn't crumble because it's it's the that's, old it's like what it comes down to. It really is. And that's, it's the old literally. Thing. Sorry, I was just going to say it because yeah. I'm thinking about it. You know, sure. people talk about like the reason that America or or Western society is in decline. What are, what are all the reasons, right? You have the media, you have music, entertainment, you know, schooling. At the end of the day, the most important factor in a society's strength is really when it comes when it's the fact is it's like it's the men in the household. Mm-hmm. The men that are leading the households or not are going to determine the success of a generation or a society. And what we're seeing now is a reflection of the catastrophic failure of a lot of fathers across the country, whether they are physically absent or they are, you know, metaphorically absent by being there physically, but not being a good leader. And it's perfect here. I don't want to steal your thunder, but the scripture you put on here, Ephesians six, four fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You know, I had a, I had a very tangible in-person experience with this recently. And, you know, I work in the legislative field in my area, and we had a meeting recently where we were in a room, me and my my boss, uh, <laughs> and there was 14 total people in the meeting, and us two were with 12 individuals, uh, parents and children who I, who either were transgender or they were parents of a transgender child, hmm. and we had a we. Had, in Ohio, we just passed a law that basically says if you're under the age of 18, you can no longer receive hormone therapy that can permanently sterilize you as a child. Hmm. Um, also, biological women or biological men cannot pe- compete in women's sports right. to protect women's sports. Yeah. So we had a meeting with these transgender individuals and parents, and they were trying to, to convey a message that we should that this bill should be voted down. And there were parents in the room who were talking to uh, my boss who is somewhat important in the, in the scope of this conversation. Um, But they were arguing that, you know, out of the sake of these children, we cannot pass this law. We need to protect them. They, because they are the ones who know their identity the best. They know who they are. Their truth is what's important. These kids. And I was just thinking to myself, really, the kids don't know who they are. That's why no. you as the parent, you you need to lead them and you need yep. to guide them. And that's why it says right here in Ephesians, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Right. You know, if if we had good fathers, really the, this transgender movement and everything that's happening with that, it really is a complete failure of fathers. Hmm. These are, these are, if you're a father who really stands by and allows your nine-year-old child, for example, to say, oh, I think I'm a girl when they're a boy just because they like Barbies. That is a that is a failure at the fatherhood level, yeah. But it, it is because of an abandonment of these biblical principles. Hmm. So bringing this all back around to what you said, Peter, 
the failure of Western society, if it ever comes to that point, will be because of the failure of fathers and fatherhood and strong men. And I mean yep. strong by principle. And, and the one thing I would say just real quickly, too, it doesn't always have to be fathers. Because th- there are situations where obviously, you know, tragedy happens and a father, you know, loses his life. But there needs to be people, you know, there needs to be men, not just not just people. It needs to be men who step up and lead those children then in his place. And so that's just, right. you know, one one quick interjection I have there. One addition. Yeah. Um. And, you know, this conversation between Andrew Tate and George Jenko on his YouTube channel, there are a lot of takeaways o- along this line. You know, if, if you are concerned with Western society, if you're a concerned citizen, if you if you find interest in these things, I, I would highly suggest you go and check out this episode and, yep. and especially some of the points that we're touching on here. But um, did you want to touch on the the top section there on the outline of our responsibilities? I think I'll get to that next, but the, we've the, already touched on them, honestly. But a little like, bit. if you want to elaborate a little bit, yeah. First, though, I, I do want to kind of wrap up the, the the one point too. Is the the circle of like it's been said a lot, but I think it is so incredibly true. And I, I think maybe if we want to dive into this a little bit too, and what what each of these periods really looks like, there's the idea of strong men create good times. You know. They, these men, men of character, men of godliness more than anything, step up, they lead, and they create prosperity because the Lord blesses those who, who you know, live out his tenets, his, his scriptures. And then those good times allow kind of a little bit of this like ease, you know, sit back, comfortability. Yeah. Great, great word there. Complacency. Complacency. There we go. That's, that's the one I was really looking for. <laughs> <laughs> so the good times create kind of that complacency and and again, if you have anything to add in, in what these periods look like, or maybe just kind of give your thoughts at, at the end of this. Um, the, but those good times then create weak men, because like, like you said, with with the father, with like a, a, a kid who thinks that they're transgender or really who doesn't know, but who maybe has like a feeling that the world would say is, is a feeling of, of being a transgender. Um, it's like that, like carelessness of not of being like, oh, that's OK. You know, instead of thinking, you know, no, that's that's how God made you. Yeah, you have you have questions that are in your mind. I don't doubt that those questions exist. I think there are ways to to combat those and to have this understanding of, you know, God made you the way that you are. And and each of us have, you know, our own different challenges that we deal with, our own struggles, but those don't, those aren't limitations and we don't have to be bound by those. And I think that's what what godly fathers teach their children is that, you know, it, it's like a it's like Napoleon Hill with his son, with you know not being able to hear. He didn't let his son just accept that, and his son didn't either. You know, credit to his son, but obviously Hill's example as a father. You know, again, th- this this refers to Think and Grow Rich, Joe and I's favorite book outside of the Bible, I would say. Um, but and honestly, but, yeah. really quickly too, sure. on Think and Grow Rich. Yeah, I feel very validated because Peter, you can probably guess who this is. Okay, but somebody I work with who's kind of important. <laughs> you can probably guess who I'm talking about. Yeah, walked in on my workspace. And he saw my book, Think and Grow Rich. He said, Napoleon Hill, that's a great book right there. He's like, I'm yes, going to take it off my bookshelf probably and read it tomorrow. So <laughs> let's it feels go. very validating because <laughs> it's just a, it's a book that Major impact. a lot of successful people yes. read. And it's it's influential on their success. Amen. Yeah, 100%. And so, yeah, but like, um, but yeah, <laughs> Napoleon Hill didn't let his son's like deafness limit him. And in fact, he broke broke out of that and was able to hear then. And so I think that back to, back to what we were talking about here, though, with good times, weak men, 
there are men who just kind of accept that and also accept, you know, what the world teaches. But I think it's important that ultimately as fathers and Joe and I, you know, both of us are, you know, Joe recently married and me being married in three months are not far away from being fathers. You know, I would say almost with certainty, you know, I am not making these plans. I trust God to make these plans, but I would say almost certainly within five years, we'll probably both have, have at least one kid. I think within 10, you know, depending Lord on willing. Lord willing, depending on how many we have, we could have several when, when, you know, the next, when 2033 rolls around. Um, but regardless, and so that's why I think it's important for both of us to be having these discussions. And, and I think also another thing too, I want to give credit where it's due, in an episode like this to both of our fathers, to, to, uh, to Larry Staten and to Mike Burtnett, to two men who were this example of strong men of God who raised us yeah. up in a way that we, that we know how to talk about this too, because we saw the example that they set and both of them in incredible ways that I will always be grateful for, for the rest of my life. And even, you know, thinking about what hopefully this, the standard, not hopefully the standard that God sets through me from, for future generations that come after me being able to see that. And even after I'm long gone, my mission is for that to continue hundreds of years for now. If, if Jesus doesn't come back, come back before then, you know, and, yeah. and having their examples. And I know you could speak about this too, about your dad, the examples that they set in both of our lives are just. I can't fully express how grateful I am for that because I know that the standard that my dad set and it's, it comes down to discipline too. And you, you kind of yeah. touched on this earlier too, Joe, about being like, you know, it's, it's a balance of discipline and love and really any discipline shows that you love your child because you care about what their future looks like because without discipline, it's it, it again it's it's these good times and having this like lawlessness you know things are good we don't need to have rules because people can do whatever they want because everything's good i think first of all that's a little bit deceptive when, even when things appear to be all good there's often things under the surface that are bubbling and building up but i think that discipline is i think discipline is one of the ultimate forms of love because it shows that like you care about the future of your child or, or, yeah. or somebody that maybe you're mentoring or, or anybody that you're kind of in like a position of like, you know, being in a, an authority role and a teaching role over and being able to bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. So if you have if you have anything to add yeah. to that, maybe before I dive into what weak men in hard times look like, which I would say we are right in the middle of. Well, yeah, so. First of all, you do, you don't really appreciate everything that you see in your dad until you get older and you realize yeah. that dads are not superheroes that just can ignore everything and become, you know, they're invincible and they're they're not normal people who deal with struggles every day, you know. Mm-hmm. Our dads are are those people. You know, they they have hardships, they have struggles, they, you know, they work hard, support the family, you know, they do all these things and they're still hmm. setting that example for us. And I remember so many times when my brother and I didn't feel like doing a Bible study and my dad was like, Nope, get your butt in here. <laughs> I don't care. So, you know, in those moments, I didn't want to do those things. And you asked about, or you said you're going to talk about weak men and kind of reading this, this part of the outline about our responsibilities as men of God, you know, I think, and there's, there's descriptive language here in that scripture about that. But I think a good indicator um, of a weak man is a man who, who when his children are being whiny and complaining, gives into that. You know, mm-hmm. he, he gives into the whining. He's not disciplining his kids out of, out of fear that they won't like him or something like that. That is mm-hmm. a weak man. 
a strong man, even in the face of discomfort, in the face of complaining and everything like that, still makes a hard decision and sticks with it. That's strength. That's discipline. That's what God's word teaches us to do. Um, and I think, and I have to say this cause we just talked about it recently, but you know, for example, a, a, a seven-year-old boy who thinks he's a girl, if he comes to his dad and says, dad, I think I'm a girl. I like Barbies. And the dad says, you know, you might be right about that. Are you transgender? Hmm. That is a failure of leadership. A dad who says, son, God created men and women. There's a male and female, and you have all the male chromosomes, you have all the body parts. You are a boy. You may have some other interests, but and there's nothing wrong with that, but you're right. a boy. That is strong leadership, and it's because even though you, th- you may fear that your child may respond negatively, you still say what's right and what's true. That's a strong leader. So yeah. a man of God is one who does what's right even when it's not easy, when it's not comfortable. That is strong leadership. Yeah. And honestly, our dads aren't perfect people, but they're pretty dang good examples <laughs> of that. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly are. And I'm again, like I said already, so so incredibly grateful for that and you know, just kind of continuing along along the path of weak men creating hard times, you know, that's when there's an absence of that. When there's an absence of fathers, you know, disciplining their children, holding them accountable and just kind of allowing things to go unchecked and really allowing if you want to call it evil, if you want to call it sin, if you want to just call, you know, wrongdoing, allowing it to go unchecked. And when that happens, then evil is able to reign supreme and ultimately wrong wins out over right. And I think the Bible, actually, I know, I know the Bible is very clear about what's wrong and right. So if you have any questions about that, you know, the Bible is the place to go for that in in prayer with the Lord. And so then ultimately those hard times do there, there is a positive. And I think this was something that, that George and, uh, and Andrew Tate talked about as well is that, you know, in these hard times, and I would argue we are to a certain extent in those hard times. I think we're a little bit in that transition of, you know, good times. Weak we're men. on the brink of hard times. I think I think we're at a point where <laughs> we're we're, we're we're experiencing some hard times already. I think we're in that point where we can either break that cycle. It is a cycle. I will say that history, I, I love being like a student of history and history does repeat itself, but that doesn't have to be a limitation. I think it is possible to break out of that cycle sooner. And I think what they talked about too is there need to be men who step up and say no to this, who deny this you know, weakness, this apathy, really almost in a sense, and this like lack of leadership. And I think that's what God calls both of us to be. And, and all men, and, and you know, young and old. But yeah. I think where we're at right now is a point. And, and George, and, and even and even Andrew as well, are both in positions where all of us need to step up and be those men of God, those leaders. And honestly, let me say this real quick too, because George yeah. Janko was unimpulsive, and the reason he got he left impulsive was because Logan Paul, who basically roasted him for his religion. Mm-hmm. Logan Paul is an example of somebody who is scared to say something that's true out, out of fear of the backlash for it. Yeah. That is somebody, and I'm not I'm not criticizing him as an individual or his you know his character, but the fact of the matter is we're talking about strong men and masculinity mm-hmm. and, and godly men. A godly man says what's says what's true even when it's unpopular. Yep. And there have been several occasions where Logan Paul has done that, and I think George's religion, George's faith earned him that chastisation because of Logan's fear of what his viewers might think of this Christian guy on the show, you know, and that's, and that's the sad reality of it. And, you know, there's just so, there's so many examples of our society 
being led by men that are not strong, mm-hmm. men that don't stand on the truth. You know, um, we could go down the laundry list of items, right. but again, that underlines the importance of being a godly man and being strong in these times. And, you know, we are preparing for some, for, for some very, very hard times. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, you know, things that could happen in the next coming five, 10, 15 years that are, that are kind of scary sometimes if mm-hmm. you think about it. Um, and, and, and those scenarios, we are not to live in a spirit of fear, but Amen. godly strong men will step up and lead and be strong. Amen. And we need to know what to stand on. So, um, I think it'd be a good opportunity to transition into our last point of the outline here in that scripture from Titus. If you want to read that, unless you have anything else to add. Yeah. I'll, I'll just add real quick then before, before I read that too, is I'll admit I've been at times in a position where Logan is what you're describing there. And I think the underlying factor with that is ultimately pride. I think it's hmm. being, being prideful about trying to build up maybe a legacy for yourself, trying to build up your own name because you know, to get there, a lot of times you have to appease a lot of different people. And I think something that I've woken up to more recently, um, really as this podcast, as we've, as we've grown and we've, you know, just done episode after episode and, and really spoken the truth, like you said, I think I've re and, and also honestly, I'll, I'll definitely give credit where it's due to you too, as well, Joe, kind of giving that encouragement of not worrying about what other people think and really, especially what the world thinks. Ultimately what matters is what God thinks. And, you know, if, if we're sharing the good news, sharing his message, then, then we are pleasing him. It's as simple as that. And so that, 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 that is one thing that I would say is kind of what gets in the way and what causes that. There are other factors too, I'm sure, but I think it is a little bit of that pride wanting to put yourself in a position where you are likable because maybe you want to build your brand. And I know, I know that I've been in a position like that before, um, you know, trying, trying to, make it as a young sports reporter and trying to make sure that everything that I say is, you know, buttoned up in the world's eyes and fits with, you know, or at least or maybe not, it's not even necessarily always agreeing with what the world say. I w- says, I wouldn't say that, but again, it's kind of walking on eggshells and being afraid to say certain things. And I think, I think it's something I'm still in the process of doing of truly saying what is the truth and saying what the word of God says. But I think it's definitely something I've taken, taken steps in and I give credit first of all to God, second to you, Joe, as well. And I think to, to this podcast and, and being around people who, who set a godly example. So I just kind of kind of wanted to explain that because some people might be in that same position as well where they're kind of like, well, I don't want to I don't want to offend these people. I don't want to I don't want to make, you know, these people angry. I don't want to get canceled, you know, to use that word. And I think it's it's understanding that as long as we say things with grace and with respect, you know, it's it's just part of it yeah. that that people That's the world the it. world is not always going to agree. Yeah, and and things it, can be delivered in yeah. one way or the other. Yeah, and the irony is that like you know, the idea of protecting your image and not speaking the truth to, to have people like you, the irony is that, like, those people need to hear the truth. Mm-hmm. Even though they might hate you for it, they need to hear it because sometimes that might plant a seed in them to wake up to the reality and and, and to be re- reconciled to God and to have this, to have the truth revealed to them. That's why we need mm-hmm. truth speakers is because without those people, the truth can die, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's a scary reality. And I think in, in a lot of ways... Uh, we are culturally seeing that in the United States of America these days is that, you know, God's word is, is very unpopular. The principles that it teaches are very unpopular, you know, um, and it's just it depends on people like you and me and everybody else who's listening to this episode to, to keep that that fire going and to, and to carry forth Amen. that torch. 
So, you know, that underlines the importance of today's episode. But yeah, that's all I got on that. Yeah. Well, I think that segues perfectly into what I think will probably kind of wrap up this episode. We've talked a lot about the importance, why it's needed to have men of God, definitely pieces of what that looks like. You know, we talked about the importance of monogamy, what it means to be a godly father. And so I think here, Titus 1, 6 through 9 is an outline and the steps if you're sitting here wondering, okay, well, how do I go about being a godly man? Well, here, here's here's a good thing. And, and this is speaking specifically of elders, which is like, you know, an elder in the church. But I think this is a picture of what all men should be like, especially men who who are who are married and who have children, which are both things that Lord willing, you know, Joe and I are both either married or engaged to be married. And both, hopefully, again, Lord willing, have children in our future. So, Titus yeah. one six through nine, an elder must. I'll say I don't always. I don't like to substitute scripture, but in this case, I'm going to say a man of God must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. I don't think anything can wrap up what it means to be a godly man, man better than that. Like seriously, that's one of the best passages I've read in a while. Yeah. And and the very end there. So he can encourage others by sound doctrine, which is what the truth and refute those who oppose it. I mean, boom, right there. (laughs) If you're a godly man or striving to be others, you encourage others in the truth and refute those who oppose it. That doesn't mean keep your mouth shut. You know, in a lot of time, in a lot of ways, silence is compliance. If you're silent, mm-hmm. and this doesn't mean you have to have a bullhorn. And, and I remember in 2020 Condem- with the whole riots and everything, if you didn't post a black square on your Instagram story, apparently you're a racist. That's not what we're saying, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. but but rather, if if you're in a conversation that's important with somebody, and if you're in a, an important environment, and somebody spews something that's not true. I think as a godly man, it is your, your responsibility to speak up and say something, especially if you're defending the gospel. Amen. If you're defending your faith, I think it's just so, so important. So it doesn't mean to say it disrespectfully. doesn't mean to be, to be vile and to be abrasive, but to stand by and defend the truth and to live that out, I think is a great, great way to explain what it means to be a man of God. So I hope everybody took something from this episode. Um, with that being said, Peter, if you have any final thoughts, if not, you can go ahead and, and start with your prayer. No, I think I think that, that leading, those verses from Titus, prayer, start, yeah, sound yeah. kind of like directing you. So <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> it's okay. I've been I've been in a few plays, so I'm used to being directed around a little bit. It's it's no problem. Honestly, that was Fair that was enough. that was that, that was pretty pretty tame when it comes to sometimes how direction can come when you're in a play. If you know, you know. <laughs> Peter, pray now. Go. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, seriously, I think those those verses again. I would encourage our readers. Titus one six through nine are are probably my final thoughts. Really, so I'll get I'll yeah. get right into prayer then. So, Father God, I thank you so much for for this time, for this opportunity. I thank you for just the clarity of the words that you provide here, of what it means and how to go about being a godly man and how to set an example for for our for our wives, for our children, and even for those around us that were maybe in a leadership or authority position over. I pray that we would display these traits. 
I pray that we would understand the importance of, of ultimately putting you first and following your lead, first of all, so that others can follow ours. Um, I pray that we would accept that responsibility with joy and willingness and readiness. And thank you that because because of you, Lord, we can be prepared to do that. And so I just thank you for this time today. Thank you for everything that we were able to speak about. I pray that you would just sift the minds of everybody listening and that they would find something to to hold on to after this episode. In Jesus' name. Lord, I echo everything Peter prayed and just pray that we would understand the importance of defending the truth, standing on the truth, um, and being leaders and not being afraid to lead. You know, you've given us all, especially as men, Lord, the ability to lead, to be strong, to, to step into that position. And just pray that through this podcast, through our conversations, and one by one, God, we influence our society to build up strong men, men of God, leaders, um, who who might be diametrically diametrically opposed to what our current culture and society is preaching, but um, something that all men really need to hear, including mm-hmm. us, um, mm-hmm. repeatedly on a on a uh, daily basis. And just pray that you would lead us together toward you. And we thank you for the ability to to lean on you as our leader so that we may lead our families effectively in our communities, ultimately. So we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Pray everybody be blessed by this episode. And you have your hand on this podcast. And Lord, you open the eyes of anybody listening who's not saved today. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to episode 14 of season two. Hard to believe, again, we're this far (laughs) into the season. But time goes by when you're having fun, right? Amen. Um, It sure does. So make sure you rate the podcast on Spotify. I think most of our listeners are on Spotify, not Apple, but regardless. Rate them on both, if if whatever you're listening on. Share the episode with somebody who needs to hear it. And with that being said, have a merry, merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And we will see you in the next episode. God bless. Peace.